Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. Hey listeners. I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week, they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like Oteil Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, join the Fab Faux, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out magicalmysterycamp.com slash helpingfriendly to learn more. Osiris. All right. It is Wednesday, July 20th, 2022, and you are tuned in to the Helping Friendly Podcast. My name is Brian. I'm here with my lovely co-host, Megan. How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you, Brian? I'm doing very well. I just wrapped up an episode talking about Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band in mid-1985, and now I get to talk about fish playing Tweezer Fest from the Man mm. Music Center. Is so it the Music fun. Theater or the Music Center? I don't know. I'm not from Philadelphia. Center, but I, don't I think really it's know. the center. Beautiful venue. I've only seen one show there, but it's a gorgeous, gorgeous venue from July 19th, 2022, which that show occurred 19 years to the day after my third fish show. 
saw the Leo Trio. I saw an amazing Piper. I saw an incredible You Enjoy Myself Alpine 2003. Check it out if you have not listened back. We're not here to revisit 2.0 as much as I would love for us to on a show-by-show basis. We are here today with a couple of incredible guests. We have a stacked lineup here today. Yeah, this is all-star. We are we have we have some all-stars come on. We've got Scott Marks as well as Tim Donahue and Kevin Hogan of Wook Plus. Scott Marks can be found online at Biz Archive. You probably already follow him if you follow HF Pod. If you don't, <laughs> I don't know what in the world you are doing because there's nobody that has more up-to-date stats and info about fish shows during the show and then in between shows and in between tours than Scott Marks. I rely heavily on his insight and his information. Yeah. I love talking fish with him. Um, Tim and Kevin from Wook Plus, you can see their Twitter handles on the screen. We've been partnering with Wook Plus throughout this tour to bring you coverage, both this type of coverage immediately or not even immediately. I don't know why I said immediately. I have so much to get through. This type of coverage, the middle of the day after a show happens, and their type of coverage that happens right before as well as right after each shows. And we would encourage all of you to tune into Wook Plus for more great content. The lot, their pre-show is Wednesdays throughout tour prior to each Wednesday show. And their wonderfully named After Fish Show, After Show, launches 15 minutes after each concert ends. You can watch them on Twitter at Wook Plus, as well as on YouTube, search for Wook Plus. And I'll be on tonight. You'll be on tonight. And you were on I'll another on podcast tonight. today, weren't you? I was, yeah. So my episode of Attendance Bias went out today, and I'm talking about 72197, one of my favorite shows, and just you're going to learn a lot about me, maybe more than you want to know. It's like a classic Megan overshare. So check it out. It's a great episode. You talk about a great show. And shout out to Brian from Attendance Bias. He does incredible work. Um, we love him over here. All right, let's talk. Before we bring Scott, Tim, and Kevin on, let's talk about we've got a couple points of business that you're all going to want to hear about, I promise. Let's talk Passion House first. First of all, here at Osiris, we are powered by many things, but the first thing we're powered by every day is coffee. And it's Passion House coffee. And we actually have our very own blend. I just got mine in the mail yesterday, Ocean of Osiris. And my daughter tried some this morning in a pour over, loved it. I had some too over some ice. It was delicious. So check it out, passionhousecoffee.com. You can get some of this, our new coffee, or any of their other coffees. And you can use the code OSIRIS, and you're going to get free shipping on every order, which is a really good deal. So that code is O-S-I-R-I-S. We also have this really fun contest that we're going to be running all summer long. So for every fish show, we're giving away bags of Ocean of Osiris coffee every time fish plays an ocean song. So if you hear an ocean song, you're going to tag Osiris Pod and Passion House Coffee on Twitter, and you can use the code, um, the hashtag Ocean of Osiris, and we're going to select winners. So we have a winner because they played MoMA Dance last night, right? So who's our winner today? It is Josh Ziesmer. I hope I'm pronouncing that right, who is at JS Ziesmer at Twitter. So congrats, Josh, and I hope you like your coffee. Absolutely. Great, great coffee. Awesome, awesome people over there at Passion House. We love their coffee and we love partnering with them for this sort of stuff. Um, the other things that we want to tell you about 
Osiris Live. We had an amazing live event. Megan, can you give us a quick breakdown of the July 18th live event from the Ardmore Music Hall? I could go on forever, so I'm just going to make this brief, but the event was awesome. RJ did an amazing job interviewing these three artists, and the reason that this was so special was because these conversations were super intimate. They, he was asking questions, the kind of things that you always want to know. You you really want to know, like, what does Tom Hamilton really think about being in a Grateful Dead cover band? And it was just incredible hearing their answers and just getting to know them as artists. And they played three sets of incredible music. They had an amazing backing band. We got to meet everybody after. It was just a really cool, chill, awesome event. So if you can make one of these, you have to. They're super cool and so much fun. I danced a lot. Lots of dancing, some great conversations, some incredible music, a great way to learn more about some of your favorite artists, as well as artists that you may be discovering, as well as hear some live music. It's kind of us taking the podcast to a concert in a really cool way. And we have a couple more that are coming up here before the end of summer tour. Um, First and foremost, you know that Fish is coming to Atlantic City. It's on the beach. Come on, Atlantic City. Win some money. Don't lose money. Just win money. You know, (laughs) it's it's Atlantic City. All you're going to do is win money, right? Right. That's what happens. Of course. Yeah. August 5th, 6th, and 7th, you can get your tickets for Fish Atlantic City at osirispod.com slash AC. In addition to that, we have a full weekend of free events for you in Atlantic City. On Saturday, August 6th, we'll be at the Anchor Rock Club from 2 to 4 p.m. We will recap the first night of Fish there, and then we'll hear Disco Biscuits guitarist John Barber play an acoustic set for us. You can come for the discussion. You can also stay for the music. Get a couple of beers and enjoy Saturday afternoon out in the sun. And then on Sunday, August 7th, we're working with the auction platform Whatnot, the internet's fastest growing collectible marketplace, to hold an auction benefiting the Waterwheel Foundation. From 2 to 4 p.m. as well, we'll be discussing fish with special guests, auction off fish vinyl, posters, shirts, and other hard-to-find memorabilia. Join us for both these events. We want to thank our sponsors once again at Tonewood Brewing. We'll have many of their amazing beers on tap. These are free events, but you can you need to reserve a spot at osirispod.com slash osirislive. And when you go there to reserve your spot for the AC event, stick around because there's two other events that you're going to want to buy tickets for. We have an event that we just announced yesterday in Milwaukee on Thursday, August 11th, ahead of Fish's three-night run at Alpine Valley. We are going to be at the Cooperage, which is a killer venue right on the river. Uh, There's kayaking that you can do off of the venue. They actually run shuttles from the Cooperage to the Alpine Valley shows for fish. It's a very fish-friendly bar. Amazing people there. Um, RJ and I will be there to run a show, host, um, uh, which will be music and conversation featuring one of my favorite singer-songwriters, guitarists, musicians of all time, Mr. Riley Walker. I cannot wait for this event. It's going to be great to get to the Midwest and hang out for that. Um, get your tickets for that at osirispod.com slash osirislive. And finally, I promise we're getting to the show here in a second, but I got to tell you, if you're coming out to Dick's, and I know I'm going to be here, I moved to Denver just for this week. I promise everyone out there. Larimer Lounge on Wednesday, August 31st. Music and conversation featuring Taper's Choice. One of my favorite bands out there right now. So many deep, deep, deep jams. Um, Myself, as well as HF Pod co-host, 
all-around incredible dude. Broke Down Pod host, Mr. Jonathan Hart, will be interviewing the dudes from Taper's Choice. Then they will play a show. There's got to be Taper's taping Taper's Choice, which will then go up on Relisten and Archive for all of you to dig and be like, I was there, man. I saw it. So get your tickets for that at OsirisPod.com slash Osiris Live. We'll tell you much more about these events throughout the tour, but we need to get to the show. Yeah. We need to bring on our incredible guests here today. Let's bring on Mr. Scott Marks. How are you, Scott? Doing great. How are you? Hey Scott. Welcome to HF Pod. And let's bring on it's good to have you here again. And let's bring on Tim and Kevin from Woke Plus. What's up, dudes? How are you? Good. How you doing? You guys doing very, very well. So all of you guys went to the show last night at the man music center in Philadelphia. This was fish's first run at the man since, was this the first since 2016? Yes. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. Cause they went to yeah. Camden in 2019. Yeah. Um, tell me, have you guys seen shows at the man in the past and, and Scott, starting with you, what are your thoughts on the venue overall? I think it's gorgeous. Um, you don't see a lot of venues with like a, a wooden ceiling, um, wooden balcony. So like I was the, the back of the pavilion last night and just looked up and you see wood and not concrete um, where mm-hmm. or me- metal structures. It's, it's a nice venue. Um, it's in, it's in the park and it's, it's gorgeous. Yeah. It feels really nice when you get there and, I was thinking someone sent me a picture from great woods last week and I was looking at the roof there and there's just like a lot of like stuff flapping in the wind and the the metal looks a little bit rusted. And this is just like a beautiful, beautiful interior. Um, I've been there once and it just uh, blew me away. What about you guys, Tim and Kevin? What are are your thoughts on, on the overall man? I think if you're in a pavilion, it's the, probably one of the nicer venues. It's also really intimate and small, and so it's like there's a dichotomy there because once you get into the lawn, though, it quickly turns from the one of the best venues to one of the worst. There's like absolutely no view on the lawn and the sound quality sh- kind of crap. So it definitely like I'm I know some people are always pavilion. Some are always lawn for me. I tend to lean lawn at most venues. But for this venue, if you're going for the first time, it's definitely worth getting in the pavilion even more than other sheds because the lawn's not great. The lot is fucking great, though. The trees and the grass and not just being on, you know, asphalt or a cornfield. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I've only been to the man once before. I saw Trey Band there in 2001, maybe. Oh, wow. Yeah, they did. He did a, like a 35-minute Mr. Completely that night. It was pretty out of hand. Um, and I really, walking back in there last night, I didn't even – it it didn't like kick in my brain say, Oh my God, I remember this place. So they it changed like, it a little bit though. They like fenced off an area and added some more tents and things, but got it. But yeah, I got in the pavilion. I sat in the pavilion with him for the first, what four songs. And then I went out on the lawn just because I don't deal well with it was hot. Everybody next to you, you know, mm-hmm. you only have that much space on the lawn. Sure. At least you can fall down and be an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this, this provides a good segue here. We are 
last night was the fourth night of tour. Fish opened the tour last week with uh, Thursday, Friday, the very unique Thursday, Friday run, and then a, uh, at Great Woods, and then a Saturday night in Banger. And then they said, "Hey, we're going to play a thirty-minute down with disease for you all, and we're going to give you guys Sunday night off because you're going to need it to re-listen to this and try to understand everything that was happening." But four nights into the tour, we're like, we're in the tour now. This is like when you start the second week of the baseball season. You're like, oh yeah, there's just baseball on constantly for the next six months this is the greatest thing on earth um i want to ask you guys about the vibe of the show and the vibe of the show segment is sponsored by section 119 which is the premier apparel band brand where many fans shop to represent their favorite band in everyday life you got sophisticated designs and epic quality section 119 offers donut inspired button-down shirts board shorts dry fit polos and hoodies among many other awesome clothing types you can see it on the screen here. Use code SUMMER2020, excuse me, use code SUMMER22 for 20% off your next purchase. Scott, tell me at this point in the tour, what is what is the overall vibe as you're coming into uh, the man last night? You're muted. I think you're muted right now, Scott. Hi. There he is. Uh, there he is. Yeah. There he is. No. Uh, <laughs> I'm back. No. Uh, it was it was hot. Uh like heat index of close to 100 degrees yesterday and I, I think that kind of affected everybody. Um they had switched it where instead of bring a 20 ounce bottle of water you could bring a full jug. Uh and so I I finished almost a gallon of water during the show last night and uh, sweat all off. Um uh, in the the upper part of the pavilion. Um, I, I think there, once the show started the, the first space oddity in, uh, five years, I think that kind of really got things off to a good start. And then you have a couple of songs that are space related and, um, and the, the Haley's with the 17 minutes and which is the longest since, uh, Portland 99 and. Uh, the second set, which we'll talk about later, kind of speaks for itself with the energy that was blasting through that place. Um, so <laughs> really, uh, I, I thought this show was head and shoulders above the first three uh, overall, um, just with themes and with jams and uh, consistency, especially in that second set. Um, you know, a couple of areas that weren't as clean uh, for compositional parts, but um, you find that a lot of shows but overall i think this is the best show of the tour so far i agree with that and i'm just looking at the gap chart right now on fish.net and i it completely went over my head when it started last night that was the first space oddity since the baker's dozen 728 2017 right 154 shows since double chocolate night um really really cool not only to open up with a acapella tune but also to open up with um with a song that's such a huge bust out like that um, really kind of set the tone. And yeah, that space theme really took over the first quarter of it. Um, Kevin, Tim, what was, what was the vibe of the show like for you guys? I, I love Philly. Philly has an energy that you don't get in other places when you see a show. And I just, I thrive in it. I, I when I walked in there, I was like, yeah, we're here. We're going to do this tonight. And I, I felt like the crowd, the energy was expecting all right, you did that banger, what you got for us tonight, and they delivered. Super hot, though. Scott's 100% right. Like, that kind of carries over everything else. Like, 
it was very hot out, but it was so much fun. Once the music started, it didn't really matter. It was just kind of leading up to the show. The last show I went to that was as hot as you guys experienced was Deer Creek 2010. The first night was just, it was like a swamp in there. And I remember trying to go and get a water midway through the second set and just being like, I need it right now. And they had closed down all stands and it was, you know, 16 year old kid behind the counter being like, sorry, we can't sell you any water. And I'm looking at like just stacks of Dasani water. (laughs) Just give me one. Nobody's going to pay attention. (laughs) Um, Well, let's jump into the overall first set here. So the first set reads Space Oddity, Martian Monster, Haley's Comet, Stash, Momadance, Gadajibu, Shade, Old Home Place, and Walls of the Cave. I watched this from home, but you guys were in the venue um, Kevin and Tim, what was your overall highlight of the set and what were kind of your larger thoughts on the first set? I think definitely for me it was the Haley's, the Haley's jam was really awesome. And the space theme, like the, I, I guess, I don't know if there's other news, but I thought instantly just with James Webb and everything and how it's been such a prominent thing in like our general lexicon, everybody's really excited about space. So like, um, I was really digging that, but Beyond that, I was not as high on this first set as I feel like a lot of other people were. Like, I felt like it's they played well. Like, I thought they played well and it was clean. I just, um, I think it wasn't one of the strongest sets. I think the second set more than triple, you know, makes up for it. So overall, I think it averages out as the best show. But the first set was a little weak in my, you know, in my experience last night. I like the first four songs. I was like all in on it. And I'm eh on Moma Dance. So the rest of the set, I was like, eh, it's all right. You know, standard versions. I love Old Home Place. I wish we got more bluegrass songs, you know, coming back. I think I caught the last one at Camden in 19, the last time they did it. I don't know if they did it between then. They did it uh, 527 for the tour opener, but I think that might have been the first time in, in quite some time. But I, I really liked that placement for, for Bluegrass. It, it just like – it was getting a little bit dark, but like, you know, there was still – you're still in that first set feel. That going into Walls of the Cave was really cool. Um, Scott, what about you? What was your overall highlight from this first set? So I had three highlights. Um, obviously, the – the Haley's you come to the right podcast if you have more yeah. than one highlight. So I appreciate that. Um, I, I, in my home place here, uh, you know where where you've gone from. If you look at a, a broad perspective from from Haley's, where in the '90s it was you know five six minutes, and then it branched out in the late '90s um, to stuff like Portland or Hampton, and then in 2.0 uh, and 3.0. Um, it kind of backtracked into, you know, we're going to play for five minutes, six minutes. And then it's like Lucy with the football. You're, you're all set for like this, this great, this great jam. And then Trey's like, no, we're, we're going to go into something else. And so um, <laughs> where, you know, it's like that with, with Haley's and with roses and with ACDC bag, and at least Haley's is somewhat more consistent now on those jams that, that get extended out. Uh, so, I got very excited when I realized that we were getting a full blown Haley's last night with, with the jam. Um, and then um, the jam part of stash um, really caught my attention as well. Um, and I, I really enjoyed that. And 
would have loved for that to go on a little bit longer. Um, and the, the energy um, in Walls of the Cave, uh, it's one of the great mm-hmm. set closers this band has. And, you know, Corona just goes completely off with, with the lights. And um, it, it was straightforward, but just such high energy. And it's a great way to usher you into set break at that point. It's funny, you know, the Lucy with the football uh, image for Haley's comment. Like, I feel like there were a lot of moments in early 3.0 where you'd be getting towards the end of a song and you were like, are they going to jam this? Or are they not going to jam? And Haley's was always the one that like, I just, my like heartbeat, like it started racing at that point. Like, are they actually <laughs> going to do it? And like, you'd hear Trey, like give one additional line or like mess around with that final line of the song and you were like, ah, it's going to happen. It's about right. to happen. So it's and like a like, micro <laughs> jam. It's like a minute of the jam yeah. and you're like, they're going to do it. They're going to do Oh, <laughs> but exactly. it is crazy it's become reliable like hershey's version last year from in the oh, first that, was, that was one of my favorite moments of tour last last summer tours the haley's totally in a lonely trip. i mean that's in a lonely trip yeah yeah that was really good the san francisco version was great the mexico version was really good and now this we're at a point where it's almost you almost expect that you're going to get a Haley's jam. It's a really nice little feature of where we're at in the band's history. But there was definitely that period in time where you're like, it's just, it's never going to come back. I'm never going to hear a Haley's jam again. And last night was with fitting. I, I love that moment. Um, Megan, what about you? What were some of your highlights as you were listening to the show? The space oddity opener just blew me away. I think about how hard that song is to perform that takes a lot of rehearsal to perform that song. And I thought it was an incredible performance. Perfect opener, just like grab everybody's attention and just I, I thought it was super cool. And I love that moment. I think opening a cappella is like so special. It just feels special when they do it. And it's one of my favorite things when they do it. And I also thought the Haley's was my highlight. I thought it was a really celestial jam, which I guess is on brand for last night, but it just sat, sounded like stars were like raining down at the end. Paige was on the piano and then Trey was doing these like dissonant effects and then Paige switches to the synths and it just, it sounded very outer space to me and I loved it. I'm right there with you. And it, it, it goes along with another highlight that I had, which was kind of the middle part of got There was such a cool moment where mm-hmm. they all dropped out. The sirens were going and they just like slowly built it up back to the, the jamming segment of the song. And someone posted on Twitter that I don't know what got has to do with space, but maybe they're playing it in a spacey style. So maybe this is what goes along with the theme. Um, but one thing I was wondering and, Matt Higgins made a comment about this. I'm curious all of your guys' thoughts because I know you guys pay attention as much as uh, we do over here. Um, it seemed like the band was having technical issues in the first set that they were trying to sort out. I-, I was thinking about that. I think it was the Banger Show. Maybe it was Night 2 of Great Woods. Trey seemed to be having some issues with his inner monitor, and he kept going over to his amp during uh, one of the shows last week. And I noticed he was having issues with his earpiece last night. Is that something any of you guys have noticed as well? And do you have any thoughts on that? Oh, he took him out one of the nights, either uh, Greatwood's Night 2 or Bangor. He literally <laughs> yeah. was back in the audience and then took out the earpieces and just went back to playing. Just playing like hearing the monitors live, basically. Yeah. yeah, it's hard to pick that up on couch or uh, at the show. Like on couch tour, mm-hmm. I like all those things. You're instantly like, oh, I you know. And last night, right. I couldn't tell from you know what we were saying. You can't see from the lawn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I you know since that guy mentioned that, I'm thinking okay, well they did Space Oddity, 
if there was some issue, that's an all vocal thing. So let's check the vocals and do a song live. And then let's do an instrumental to make sure all the instruments are right. Yeah, that's an interesting point. It, it's interesting. It seems it, it was it was wild to me to see it like kind of carry over to venues, but it's also interesting to me because like the best parts for me of Haley's and the Jabu were what I would imagine are really difficult moments to play in a concert. They were very quiet. Trey seems to be going to these like repeated riffs as he's moving into mm -hmm. jams. And like the Haley's had this where he just kept playing the same kind of riff over and over again. He's for whatever moments like the intro to, to stash, which had a very sloppy intro to it for whatever moments where they seem to be not aligned. He seems to be paying a ton of attention to finding a melody, building off that melody and then Fishman kind of responding to it from a jamming style. That doesn't strike me as something that's really easy to do in the best of situations, but also when you're having potential technical issues. So it's just something I'm like hearing and noticing early in the tour. That's really striking me. Yeah, I guess if anybody can do it, it's them, right? Like to adapt and do it. And I imagine if it was Trey having monitor issues, he probably would take more of a lead, right? And the other guys would have to follow and follow him until they resolved it. If he couldn't hear them, but they could hear him. Yeah, it's right. interesting though. They played, I thought they were, once they were jamming, they were extremely tight. I, there, I didn't see any impact on the improvisation. It's ironic, maybe that's, it is kind of weird how they, not butcher, but false started Haley's and stash. Like there was a lot of starting off errors, right? But once they're going, they were just flying. Stash kind of felt to me like he was still in the effect pedal that he had used in right. oh, shit. and Hold started. And Oh no, it's like delayed and kind of, and then he clicked that off and was like, all right, let's restart this over <laughs> uh, properly. Um, yeah. Do you guys find like, Personally, that's not taking away any of the flow or any of the enjoyment of these shows. Are you guys finding them impacting your enjoyment of where they're at at this point in time? No, not at all. I, I probably don't even notice in the moment until afterwards. And I think back when it did like, oh, there was a false start there. Because in the moment, you know, it's, I don't know, it's happening. It's or you all laugh it off too, right? Like the false start with Stash was just like antics, right? Like, the, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Cause he like laughed at fish, you know, like they like ex had that exchange and like, it's just like, I don't know. I don't think it detracts at all. I think it, when you take other bands there, they will play a song, finish it and start a new song. Uh, you don't have a lot of segues going from one song to the next. Um, That's a good point. So, you know, Haley's is going and then you know, he, calls out stash and starts to play and then something's not right and plays it again. Um, and so, you know, when it's not rehearsed like that per se, um, where it's a, it's an, a finite set list every night. Um, and again, where it's not started from scratch, I think you open yourself up to more things going a little awry. Um, so, you know, I'll, I'll notice it. Um, and then, you know, just kind of write off and then, you know, get ready for the actual song and, and the jam. Um, you know, it's just, it's the nature of the beast with this band uh, where sometimes things might be a little muddier uh, than the normal. Yeah. It's interesting. It's, well, we it's talked to Matt Bush. He was talking yeah. about writing set lists for Bobby 
And that sometimes he'd have songs into other songs and Bobby would be like, no, we can't do that. They're in two different keys, which is not something I think about. But, you know, maybe sometimes Trey calls a song and then the rest of the band's like, wait, that's an E and not an F. Well, no, but Trey would know better than Matt, though. Right. I think, I don't know. Actually, Scott just changed my mind. It does take away from me. I didn't think it did because I don't like look back and I'm like, oh, that hiccup took me out or made me upset. But looking back at this show, the second set felt so much more polished and incredible for me. And obviously second sets always have that energy, but part of it was the perfect segues. So maybe even though the Haley's was really good and the stash was really good and all these things were really good, if it just had a little more butter to the segues or a clean stop and start, right? One or the other, maybe it would have the, the overall picture of the set would be, reflected better in my mind but because there was there was almost like a little interruption maybe that does have an effect on how i perceive it well i mean you look at hampton 03 where they had to restart the you enjoy myself so it's not a guarantee that you know starting from scratch it's going to lift off correctly Um, yeah at merriweather a couple years ago they stopped i think twice in the same show they had to stop a song and restart it yeah i think it's 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 the eternal appeal to me about this band though is that like we're all seeing them in these massive venues and the production is some of the best in, in rock music. But at, part of the appeal is that you're seeing a band that has the energy of a bar band, you know, in the, in the sense that like, we're all just hanging out. Like we're not yeah. here to be like, they're up on stage. We're in the crowd, but there's a sense within their shows and there's a continual vibe of like, we're all together. We're all hanging out in this, in this environment the energy that you guys provide that we provide, it all kind of works together. It goes back to Trey's comment in bittersweet motel that like people are not paying money to, you know, see us nail every single change. And I think I tend to fall on the line of that, that like, I'd rather have the, in the moment, Oh shit, we started stash and I had this effect pedal on that shouldn't be there. And so we're all off base and we need to just like start that over again they laugh, the audience laughs, and then we have a great version of Stash. I don't know. Yeah. It's it's absolutely it's interesting to me like where they're at right now because they're, you know, they're approaching 60 years old and these sorts of things happen. They've happened since they were They've 25. And yeah, and I've never wanted this band to be perfect. If they were perfect, right. they wouldn't be this band. If they were flawless every night, they would have a very boring show. You know, I think we only get the kinds of shows we get well, in the second set that we just got. Night, we they're would risky. have really boring shows. Yeah, they're right. risky, you know? <laughs> they're taking risks and they're taking chances and they're inventing every night. So they're not going to nail every single composed section and every segue. And the fact that they nail as many as they do is fucking incredible, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I think we all love fish. I, it's interesting when we do a show like this, right? And we're like recapping, I become hyper uh, critical and, and more analytical than I am in the experience. Like at the show, I'm having a blast and I love it. Right. But then you have to like reflect and be like, oh, talk about, you know, how the show went. So obviously, like, I think some of the flaws stick out more than I would care as a fish fan. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, providing commentary for you know, this, I feel like it changes your perspective on that slightly. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. well, as Ben Goodrich just said, Trey listens to the podcast and it's mm-hmm. our job here in the, in the day after to critique every single flub so that he does not do that. Again <laughs> Damn That's our job. That's it. Um, <laughs> I want to give us a bunch of time to talk set two because set mm-hmm. two is incredible. I'm going to show my hand immediately. I think it's an outstanding <laughs> set. Super, super incredible flow. Great jamming. Before we do that, though, we do have to talk about one part of the show that is very, very important, and that is set break. 
Megan, do you want to tell us a bit about our sponsor for Set Break and we can dive into that? Guess who it is, guys? It's Sunset Lake CBD. And they have the best line of smokable hemp products for the old deadhead or the young fish fan, whether you're hypercritical or you just like to go with the flow. CBD is there for you for a mellow body high. Smoking CBD has all the benefits of high THC cannabis, but without the paranoid and anxious side effects. They've got nine different strains from this year's harvest, and there's really something for everyone. The Hawaiian Haze is awesome for an outdoor show, like at The Man tonight, and Cherry Abacus is best for the end of the night. All the flour is grown, cured, and trimmed by Sunset Lake CBD farmers. And they have this awesome farm-to-table approach, so they have really great pricing because they're shipping their products directly from their farm to your door, and they have really fast shipping. So check them out today at sunsetlakecbd.com. You can use the coupon code HFPOD, and you're going to get 20% off all your products. I'm going to be using some Sunset Lake tonight after I get off Book Plus, because that that is a late night for me. So I'm going to be like pumped up. When I was on last week, I was like really excited. Afterwards, I couldn't fall asleep, took some Sunset Lake, fell right asleep. So check them out. And with this being our set break sponsor, we have to ask you all, Scott, starting with you, what did you do during set break last night? And do you have a routine during set break? Uh, I usually stay in my spot. Um, I, especially last night with it still being warm out. Uh, I had a couple of people that found me um, and uh, just kind of, you know, decompressed a little bit from the set, just um, gathered my thoughts and, you know, I'll usually uh, get a tweet or two out when the, the set's over with like the song timings and any particular highlights or, or stats. Um, I, I really, uh, and this sounds kind of, uh, hypocritical where coming from someone who live tweets an entire show, but I, I, I like to try and stay in the moment. Uh, so mm-hmm. I will tweet out like the songs and, and, and some notes, but I'm not going to go digging around on fishnet for like, Oh, well, this is the first space Oddy in five years. I can go back yeah. and, and grab mm-hmm. those notes at the set break. And, um, or, or this morning where I, uh, pulled up like the, the six tweezer fests that had tweezer three or more times and the, the longest tail is whatever. So, um, you know, it's a chance to catch up the people that I'm sitting around as well. Um, but I'll usually stay put on, uh, but I have a routine where I'll get the food and go to the bathroom before the show starts. And I usually don't need to go to the bathroom until after the show, probably, little TMI there, but, um, everyone has their, <laughs> no, no, this is good strategy, man. We, 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 we um, need this. Impressive. This is good. Yeah. You know, I, 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 water, you figure you would have had to run. <laughs> I know yeah. I could never I, do that. I'm impressed. I, um, I was good till like the middle of set two. And then I, I figure it's only like 20, 30 minutes. And I can, I can make it. And then just you know, the head after the show. Um, but that's the most war I've ever had at a show last night. I think, um, I was surprised that I, I had like an empty analogy and I kept filling it and I'm like, Oh, <laughs> the jug's empty. run out of water. Um, but, um, I, I think it's just so important to, to be hydrated for these shows with, with the man shows and, and Bethel this weekend. Uh, it's, it's super, super vital. That's a good point. Um, that's a, very anyway, good that's a long answer to a short question. So no, no, it's good. 
So it's it's good set break. T- uh, uh, Tim and Kevin, what do you guys do? You have a set break routine, and what do you guys do um, last night? I set break. I usually plop my butt down wherever I am and just sit there, <laughs> do my lotus position, and clear my head. And it's the craziest shit. For and, sure. and and then I'll check my phone because I got two kids, and for one of them, it's going to have texted me at some point during the first set. <laughs> I'm meeting Kev on the internet and like through Book Plus and stuff. I always imagine in my head that he'd be like super wild, but at set or he always is just like like a Buddhist monk, like meditating. <laughs> and it's, it's just <laughs> like so it's awesome. awesome. Uh, I do always try to hit the bathrooms at set break, even if I don't feel in the moment like I necessarily have to. For two reasons, one is usually the line. Everything is long enough to where by the time I get there, I have to. And then two is I don't want to feel that during the set, right? Like, but you know what I mean? Like you've been drinking beer and water all day. Like I just want to be safe because I never want to miss a second. Like people talk about peace songs. I was like, I use a peace set break. Like I don't need a peace song because you plan ahead. Um, oh, wait. So side, quick side story. I don't want to go off on a tangent, but this has to do with you guys. I met a couple of people last night at set break that recognized us and they were thrilled about this partnership with you guys they're like we love hf pod we love osiris i'm so happy you guys are working together you guys are amazing you know like and we're really uh that's so cool yeah they loved it and so the feedback off the streets and off the uh separate they love this i got one of your playing cards last night hell yeah Oh yeah, that event's gonna be sick. You, had, you were you were paying somebody to stand out front hand. <laughs> it was probably just RJ. <laughs> I would have recognized him. I think I would have recognized That's RJ. That's true. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Separate for me. I'm right there with 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 you guys, uh, uh, Kevin and Scott. I I just sit down. Like this is my spot, and I just I can't do anything. I can't go and do food. I can't go and get a, a drink refill. Like I'm just I'm there because. Hey, second set is going to start here pretty soon. And uh, the the anxiety, the pre-show anxiety, it all returns once the lights go back up. So um, I'm right there for, for set two. And I have to say, as we move into the second set, uh, we have to highlight a comment from uh, HF Pod co-host Jonathan Hart. Just back to the first set discussion. When the lights are down, fish is the greatest in the morning. Yeah. What a disaster, <laughs> which is a great, <laughs> which is a great transition here into the second set, which reads more tweezer cities with a, one of these guys, uh, tweezer passing through Isabella tweezer and Isabella of note has only a 10 show gap, which is just crazy. It's like crazy. one of the least show gaps of, uh, of the entire show back into tweezer into mercury back into Piper back into tweezer 2001 and character zero, which had, I'm waiting for the man quotes, which I lost my mind on the couch at about nine 30 at night. My wife was like, what happened? What happened? Had to explain Trace quoting Lou Reed. This is incredible. Um, Scott, I don't want to put you on the spot, but you said these words, which made me put you on the spot. So if you don't have the answer, don't worry. Bring it. Can you name the six other Tweezer Fests that have happened? Uh, Let's see here. I'm going to go backwards. Uh, It was the Met in Philly in 2019. I think Raleigh in 2019. Uh, There was a Meriwether show in 
2014, Atlantic City in 2010, the the Zeppelin set, Big Birch, uh, and that's that's five. Um, that's five. I think I, I'd I'm have to cheat and go look at my tweets factor? for the sixth. Wait, what about the Bomb Factory? So the, the Bomb Factory, which I always thought was like a tweezer fest, is really just like a 45-minute tweezer, and then it goes into like a bunch of segues and then ends up a tweezer reprise. So mm, it's not, it's, not, back it's not the same as like weaving in and out of tweezer. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. L.A. last year had tweezer twice, and then it had teases, but it wasn't like full-fledged tweezers. Um, so mm-hmm. there are other examples, but yeah uh, – Kevin, I, I automatically that? thought of like the bomb factor as being like the it was the the tweezer fest. Like you know, I was getting tapes and whatever. It's like the tweezer fest. I'm like, well, it's not not quite what I thought it was. It's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. The, the yeah, definitely the Met um, Raleigh 2018. I'm thinking that was more Antelope and Runaway Jim, but I think oh, uh, you know, 20... it was it was uh, one of the it was Camden. Jersey, you're right. Mm-hmm. There was the two jerseys. Yes. But yeah, the, the North Carolina show was the Runaway Antelope, which yeah. is off the yeah. Cool. yeah, I was, I was, that was thank you. That was wild. That was such a wild one. I um, happened to be at three of those, and I thought the Merriweather yeah. one was my favorite. But last night, I probably will slowly creep into the my favorite of the Tweezer Fest. It's definitely up there. Well, it's and like the one about last night. Kids. It's kind of hard to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like you. Yeah, I no, I like you. <laughs> I like you. I'm, I'm looking it up as well right now. The um, the Roxy show, which is just like a mashup of so many different fests. You've got two tweezers based on fish.net uh, and then a bunch of Mike songs and Week of Grooves and then a tweezer reprise to end it. So I don't think that exactly um, – uh, captures it, but maybe maybe we can sneak that one in there because that is like that is the fest set. That is a wild set. Um, yeah, but getting I mean, to this, I, go ahead. What I had is not like the the end all. I just took something that was basic yeah. stats from. Fish You're Scott Marks. Well, you you are the end all. You're the one that settles the argument. <laughs> We're, counting you, We're counting on you for this. No, as you as George Carlin said, these are my rules. I make them up. Um, no, exactly. um, it's you know. You could. I, I posted like the six things this morning, and then people are like, "Well, what about this? And what about this?" And you know, it's it's whatever people really think. You know, whether you, it's the same thing with like if you have a four song set or five songs set. Well, if the song goes back into something, how many songs is it? Well, it's yeah, it's really up to you to decide. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what's the answer? Was it a five song set or a six song set? <laughs> uh, for for Bangor, yeah, six. Six. So we see we were debating, and you're the answer. So I said, if you call if you call the second one reprise, then you could count it as five. There you go. That's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's five different songs, but it's six songs. It's a six um, songs. But the same, the same thing with that uh, that MSG show a couple of years ago with the the Ruby Waves and the, and the, the, the Fantastic yeah. Tweezer, where it's like, mm-hmm. is it four songs or six? Oh, oh yeah. You know, I, I wrote it's six. But someone else might talk about four. on the lot. <laughs> right. Well, and it, this is a really good transition into this set overall because I think the like e- the interpretation aspect of it, the organic nature of this, really creates this sense of like th- there. There's something about this set that I absolutely loved. I'm 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 going to show my cards immediately. I am not the biggest Segway Fest fan uh, from a fish standpoint. It was it was an aspect I loved about set listing and about show construction when I first got into the band. It really blew me away. 
now I'm at a point where like, I, I just, I want really good song selection that flows and, and deep, deep jamming. That is, that is my calling card is like the 30 minute down with disease from the other night. That is, that is everything I want out of fish. That said, I loved everything about this set last night. And the way that I can justify that contradictory statement that I just made, and I apologize for contradicting myself on a podcast. My goodness, first person ever. Uh, I thought last night flowed incredibly well. I got the impression, I could be totally wrong about this. I'm happy to be wrong. I feel sometimes like when there is a Segway Fest set, it feels like something that is intentional. Like the band wanted to do this. They wanted to play a bunch of songs and mash them up. I got that impression last year at Deer Creek. Again, could be totally wrong, but that's just how I felt about it. Last night felt as though they went into Tweezer and went into this incredible jam out of Tweezer and out of nowhere ended up in cities. And it was a Bowie cities, Bowie type of segue into cities and then ended up back in Tweezer. And from there, it kind of took on a mind of its own. That was how I took it. And everything from there just flowed really nicely for me. Um, Scott, since you make the rules, I want to ask you, like, what are your thoughts on the statement that I just made? Do you agree? Do you disagree? And what were your thoughts on the set overall? So for it kind of depends on my mood. I mean, I you don't have that's a great answer. Um, <laughs> which way is the wind blowing? Let me give you this answer. No, um, I I think um, I I like the, the the sets like last night. Um, you know, it, it keeps me on my toes and it, it's exciting stuff. Um. I also like the stuff from, from Bangor where you have the 30 minute disease mm -hmm. uh, where you have time to give a, a jam space to grow. And with that disease, it, you can probably pinpoint it to like 17 minutes. in when Fishman just started taking over on drums in the last 13 minutes were just epic stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And it's not to say that last night didn't have epic stuff or that you, you can't have a, a jam be epic for like 10, 15 minutes, you know, the, we have this 20 minute jam chart or 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever, but it's, it's just a number. Um, and so I think to be able to pull off something like the tweezer cities, tweezer passing through seamlessly, it takes a lot of skill. Um, and you know, it's one thing to have like a song, coming out of the end of something else, like the Isabella came out passing through. It's like, all right, we haven't stopped playing, but now we're going to play Isabella as opposed to it's a more organic thing where you might have the, the drums in, at the end of tweezer. And then Trey starts playing the city's line. It's not like a rip chord. It's just an idea that comes from somebody in the band. Uh, Mike had been playing around with the passing through for, well, several shows, but um, for at least like the last minute of that second tweezer. And then finally the, the rest of the band starts playing it. Um, so I think it's, it's kind of cool when you, you have one of these, these seamless sets that goes from start to finish. I mean, there are no pauses from the start of the set and more to character zero at the end. And that the core of it was those, you know, those arrow jams, I guess, from or those arrow segues from tweezer through passing through, uh, which is about 28 to 26 minutes of music right there. Um, that was just pure nonstop um, without 
any real planning, I think. It got me thinking one thing I was, I was hearing throughout the um, great woods run. Uh, Mm -hmm. It felt like, you know, people always talk about like jamming out of a song and like the song is kind of the launching pad for a jam that comes out of it. It kind of felt to me like they were jamming through songs where a lot of like the great woods segments, um, especially in the second sets, like the blaze on is kind of a perfect example. It reminded me of the Mexico 2017, no man, no man's land, the party time from Madison square garden, 2016 that came out of light. Um, these moments where the band was playing a song within a jam and like they never really stopped playing the jam, but the jam found the themes of the song enough that they could play that. Like that blaze on was just like sultry and grooving and it didn't really like ever feel totally like blaze on. And last night felt like an advanced version of what they were doing at great woods where um, as, as Jonathan mentioned, as, as you uh, mentioned as well, Scott, Mike, I think it was the Charleston show uh, from from two months ago, where or a month and a half ago, where he starts singing, passing through, and Trey's like, "No, no, no, we're still jamming light here. Like, let's <laughs> let's not get ahead of ourselves." But like a lot of these songs, Trey said felt no. as though Trey yeah. said no. A lot of these songs, he had to at some point. Um, uh, Matt Higgins here uh, posts "Cities into Passing Through" from Shoreline last summer is another example. I agree with that completely. Where it almost feels like the song is a natural offshoot of a jam rather than we're going to take the song and play a jam off of it. We're going to kind of allow these jams to sprinkle their way through. Um, Tim and Kevin, what were your guys thoughts on the overall set and kind of what we're, what we're talking about here throughout the set? I think it's different with tweezer when you have these passing of the jam and back and forth type thing, because they can so seamlessly break into a type two jam or uh, break into like the middle, what feels like the middle of a jam out of tweezer that sometimes takes a lot more to build up out of. Cause it wasn't just that they kept playing the tweezer theme and doing random things. They, they were establishing themes and feels and grooves in the first tweezer that they also brought back. So it wasn't just recalling, yeah. you know what I mean? So there was, I feel like the, the extra level, the sophistication is the actual um, ability to like, tear it and to keep introducing new aspects of the jam that ultimately you know resolves at the end of that massive string right it's kind of like ties it all together um also the the cities i think was the perfect choice right because i feel like you can also mash up attitudes or songs that don't propel it forward and i think cities coming out of the first tweezer was a great choice to like really uh help propel it I felt like uh, I really, in the moment last night when they started playing Cities, it seemed to me like it wasn't planned. Like they ended up there kind of thing, as opposed to having Trey laying it out, uh, going back to what you were saying about planning out Segway Fest. And I think that once they did the city and went back into Tweezer, they were like, all right, we're here now. Let's see where we can take this. That Tweezer still had meat on the bone, and then we stumbled into Cities, but I want to go back and... Right. Eat that. Yeah. Tweezer a little bit more, right? So <laughs> I want to get back to the buffet. I had other ideas to do with that. Well, and it wasn't a lot of like, oftentimes with these fest, these Segway Fest sets, they kind of go in back into a song as like a reference point, And then just as soon as they're back in, they're back into, they're into another song. And it's like a 90 minute tracked uh, performance. A lot of these tweezers, when they came back into them, they were like four minutes in, a, in in length and they were like really 
bringing new ideas to the table and then finding another song. Um, Megan, I know you're dying to share your thoughts here about this set. What, what did you think overall about this? This is like the set of my dreams. I love when they go in and out of songs. And as someone who loves the funk, I mean, it's probably not a surprise. It was so funky. The initial jam out of Tweezer was so melodic and dancey. It was just really pretty. It had this like effortless feel. And then they just went into this funk. And yeah, I mean, I, I'm just going to say, echo what everyone said, that segue into Cities was just so butter and so perfect. And I think that whole section from the Tweezer... Um, cities, Tweezer, and Passing Through was just some of the best music I've heard from a while, in a while from them. It just sounded so beautiful and easy and fun and funky. You've got the like sissy strut kind of quotes in that last jam. I mean, it was this was just an awesome stretch of music. I think they sounded so happy and energized and playful. And I think the whole set was just awesome. So many songs I'm wanting to hear. So this is like the kind of set where when you're on couch tour, you're like, all right, these shows are really good. I hope like they're saving some stuff for my shows. You know, it's kind of like that selfish feeling. But um, no, yeah, it was an awesome set. I loved it. I was saying last week after um, night two of Great Woods, it, it's like the summer of the Segway, and it really feels like that. Like they're just really hitting these in a lot of ways. That's exciting. I thought um, I had posted last night that this was. Uh, and in my opinion, at least, one of the best set of, of 4.0. Um, I'd agree with that. You know, yeah. And it wasn't a four-song set. Uh, it wasn't 20, 30-minute jams, but just the overall flow from in the high energy. You know, we, we joke sometimes about like the, the, the fourth quarter where you know, you'll know you have the first half of the set, second set, which is great, and then it kind of dips off in energy or, or song selection, and then there there wasn't any of that last night. Um, it was just high energy oh. from start to finish, um, you know, and you got more as a set opener instead of a show closer or set closer. And you, yeah, you knew that, that, was that it was awesome. going to be the jam there. And um, I, I tweeted, you know, like a, a minute or two into more, like I, I hope Tweezer shows up next. And and there it was. Um, <laughs> so, it was breathless, this whole yeah. set. I mean, there's not a moment that the energy dips at all. They don't take a pause. And that to me is when you know that they're really locked in. Yeah. And it really showcases like we haven't really mentioned the Piper and to me, the jamming in the Piper that along with like a few moments in the first tweezer, as well as the Haley's from the first set, like I'm starting to hear, we talked about this a lot during the spring tour. It felt as though a lot of the same ideas that they had really peaked in summer and fall of 2021 had kind of bled over and i really liked the playing i loved the jamming but i wasn't hearing a lot of like personally speaking i wasn't hearing a lot of like new sounds and evolutions and we talked a lot during that tour about like does the band need to evolve to keep uh people you know on the edge of their seat and, and or or is like finding a really cool sound and subtly building off of it um you know still just as exciting as parts of last year were and I'm really starting to find in parts of the disease, in what I mentioned here from last night's show, it sounds like they're taking ideas from last year and finding new passageways, be it these riffs that Trey's playing, be it Fishman just like attacking his drum set as if it like did something horrible to him and his family and he needs to like beaten into submission, just like the connection between the two of them. <laughs> um, you know, Paige... Like I remember there was a moment during the Haley's where the 
camera was locked on him at one of his synthesizers. And there wasn't even a, uh, there wasn't a, any inkling that he wanted to even turn around and look at the remainder, the, the, the other three bandmates. He just wanted to stay at the synths and stay in that moment. And there seems to be a lot of patience. Also, Mike Gordon is like loud and you can hear mm-hmm. full riffs from him and things that like, I feel like people were talking about throughout last year where is Mike staying a little bit in the shadows because the effects Trey's playing with sound like he's playing a bass guitar at times. There just seems to be a lot of full band communication happening in these first few jams uh, from tour and like a few first few shows and to have a set like last night, which you would expect to happen maybe halfway through a, through a tour for them to connect in this sort of manner, almost out the gates just seems really impressive to me. Super impressive. The consistency for the start of tour compared to the spring too. I mean, I had a great time and I think we're all fairly positive people, but Charleston and even Deer Creek weren't the same, like at the same level that the summer and fall last year, those were, you know, such incredible tours. And I think this has been a really consistently good start to the tour, right? There's been like a one or two sets where I'm like, eh, it's not the best, but I think they've been playing incredibly well. Agree. Ironically, though, with the patience, I agree. They feel patient, but then when you look at the set list, there's way less drawn out jams than there was in the over the last like two years, right? It feels like they've only had what one go post twenty so far. And but it's yeah, weird. playing feels patient, but at the same time, the jams are more. I guess that will be the only plus twenty minute jam all tour. <laughs> You're gonna use another button from you. <laughs> Terrible. Um, I think as well. Go ahead, Scott. One other thing that caught my mind, which I wanted to make sure we at least mentioned, was Fishman during 2001. Um, yeah. There, during those little melody things, he just dropped half his drums, um, and it, like mm-hmm. either a tempo change or less involved in the mix. I, I never heard that before. I just thought it was me really either. Caught my, awesome. caught my attention. I think the first Definitely. time was a mistake and he did the classic jazz thing where he's like you kept doing it and then it turned into some i mean it went into a halftime and i think i don't know if he missed something but that hollowness to it was really cool sound yeah you know dropping the instrumentation and then when he did it again and like to reaffirm that it wasn't a mistake was uh was awesome that was a very cool part of that jam actually i agree Mm-hmm. Definitely. If you guys have a chance to watch it on like a webcast rep or, or whatever, um, they had the camera right on him at that moment. And you could just see him like hitting his, his toms and like going, like going back and forth. And you could, they then flashed a tray who just had the biggest smile on his face. He was loving it. It was uh, it was a really cool moment. Super cool. And I think as well, like we talk, you know, you mentioned fourth quarters, um, you could technically say that when Mercury starts, that's kind of the entry point to the fourth quarter of this show. And Mercury Piper has a ton of creativity. It's the last tweezer, the 2001, as we're talking about. But then the character Zero, which, you know, Trey, uh, in his in his dorky way, emphasizes the man. We're in the man playing the song about the man Mulcahy. Has the uh, Lou Reed quotes in there. It just, everything felt elevated in a really cool way. So, Let's everyone. We're gonna go around. We'll start with you, Megan. What you have to pick one, one, oh boy. maybe two, maybe three, maybe four, maybe the whole set. Who knows? You you guys go, Megan. What was your highlight of last night's second set? Yeah, I mean it has to be the segue into cities, 
and then back into tweezer and then into passing through. That was my highlight. That's a good highlight. Scott, how about you? Uh, really, just the whole the whole second set. I don't know if I could really pull one highlight versus another. That's it. That's it. That's, I, that's I the love, highlight. I love the 2001 because our buddy Steely Tom was there, and we've been talking for days about them doing Tweezer 2001, and we and got it. it. That's the best. They got it. How about you, Tim? I can't remember which tweezer it was, like which segment, but there was a segment towards the end. I think it was the one before Mercury that got bleepy and bloopy and spacey and weird. And it just, it was only like a nice, like three minutes of this type of jam. But it was like on a set that was already here, this little bloop where like just crested over any other moment so far of tour. So I feel like whatever that moment, I, I'm pretty sure I'll go back and listen. I'm pretty sure it's the one segment between Isabella and Mercury, but there was that like three or four minutes of, you know, and I just, that I thought was, it was incredible. That was the sissy strut tease. Oh yeah. Maybe it wasn't there. I maybe that's, maybe what, that's it was. what it was. Fucking meters are in my ears. Yeah. Ke- Kevin's right. The sissy strut and the uh, Isabella came after that. Uh, that Isabella. So it was the third, third tweezer. Yeah. So that must've been the, the section that really, yeah, so that. <laughs> That's my answer. <laughs> well, that, that reminded me, I, I don't have it in front of me, but there's, you know, a segment of that Meriwether 2014 second set where they, I think they go back into Tweezer and it becomes this like spacey and beautiful jam. It might be the one that goes into Waiting All Night. I don't, I don't have it in front of me, so I don't, um, I, I can't specifically identify it, but it's one of the things I do love about these type of segue sets is when they go back into Tweezer six or seven songs later, they don't have any reason, like all they have to do is play the riff and then, okay, cool. They're playing tweezer right. now. And then they go to the jam. And that usually just like launches them off into some very mm-hmm. creative space. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, that space came in Piper. And um, Piper is one of like five fish songs I will hear at every single show. And I don't care. Repeat it every time I'm there. There's no complaints for me. I love it. There was a slight, very slight, very slight slow build. Just a little, little slow build, uh, which was really nice. And then we go into the song and uh, go into the jam. And Piper, if you think back to, you know, this over the last year or so, Piper has had some absolutely incredible performances. Um, I'm just pulling up the stats here right now to share a few. But you had a really great one from Charleston that came out of Egg in a Hole, went into Caspian. The MSG run uh, that comes in the last night, uh, following that excellent no men, the Piper was honestly like what I go back to on a regular basis. Um, a really good one, I believe from 1030, uh, at MGM grand. I saw an awesome one at, uh, Chula Vista, uh, and then the 1015 one, uh, that happened, um, kind of one of the only jams in that fall tour opening, uh, show. So a lot of really, really good stuff here. Um, There's no bad Piper. That's a good point. That's yeah. a really good point. Um, it's, it's one of those songs that always yeah. leads to something. Yeah, if there's a batting average, it's a, it's around a thousand for Piper. It's, just, <laughs> it's amazing. I love that, and we we speak batting averages here. It's why we why we are proponents of you uh, the do, song. Brian. You I do. Which <laughs> why I'm a proponent of the song Soul Planet. It might be the greatest fish song of all time. Has a high batting average. Based on batting average. Um, so. Anyone have any final thoughts about night one at the man in Philadelphia? 
I, I don't know that they're going to be able to top it tonight, but we'll see. Yeah, but I but Kevin, this was your night of the tour, right? This is man night two. You said it's going to be the show of the tour, so let's see. <laughs> yeah, we you built this up in our wish list episode. <laughs> yes. Well, we, we were off by one night. Well, we'll see. Maybe we weren't. Yeah, maybe we weren't. I, it was such yeah. a good show that we just did the whole recap of the show and didn't barely talk about Isabella, right? And that's also part because they just played right. it, you know, 10 shows ago. But, like, a set list where you don't mention Isabella in the recap is a pretty good show. Totally. There's so much still left on the table tonight uh, that has not yeah. been played in the simple. last four shows. We're going to get that huge simple tonight. Ooh. You enjoy Kevin, myself. I, like that. Um, I I'm want looking that. At, I would love that. I'm looking at the stats for Isabella. So it's been played 14 times. I'm just going to run through these really quickly here for you. The first one, 613.97. Following that, you get a 23-show gap, an 11-show gap. And then from 813.97 through 1230.97, you get six, four, nine, four, and four-show gaps. But from there, you get 13 shows, 13 shows, 574 shows until MSG, uh, um, uh, the final night of the Baker's Dozen. That was the best. That, was that the one best rule. Moment. 83 shows until 12-8-2019 in the Encore. 53 shows until 5-28-2022. Nine shows until 7-19-2022. It's the first time since 1997 that Isabella has been in a sub-10 show gap. Talk. That's got to be why we're not talking about it. It's it's wild that it's just like, oh yeah, they're playing Isabella. Cool. Like that is not something I ever thought would ever happen ever again. Because here we are. It's, it's in the rotation. It's got such a groove. Maybe Trey rediscovered how easy it is to slip into it, and it's such a fun groove. It's so it's much become fun. commonplace now. Isabella, right. common song. <laughs> yes. I was, in a, man, come on. <laughs> I was in a. <laughs> I was, People will be I was complaining bar, about it soon. I was in a bar in Chicago on the last night of uh, the Beggars Dozen. They were streaming the shows, and when they started playing Isabella, you would have thought we won the World Series. The place just like <laughs> beer was flying everywhere. People were hugging like it was the nobody thought they would ever do it. And they saved it for the final of the Baker's Dozen. I'm getting chills just thinking about mm. it. So. Kevin Ritter is feeling a huge birds of a feather tonight. Mm. And Matt Higgins is manifesting an extra large cross-eyed, which I'd be down with all of those. Yeah, let's do a cross-eyed. Let's go 22 minutes. Let's go into birds. Let's go 16 minutes. Let's go into simple. Let's go 27 minutes and let's be done with a set. How about that? Is that too much to ask? Probably. No. But was, was her <laughs> shoot around the same point in tour last year? It was after like three or four shows? Because I feel like the the hail. There's a lot of compare. Uh, I don't know if it's just Pennsylvania and local for me, but like, I've, I've heard Hershey would make night too. Sense. Yeah, Hershey was about a. It was one week later, so it was. So uh, next week we've got those two Jones Beach shows. So that would be like the Hershey run. That this would is be the Hershey. Yeah, this is the Nashville run though. Uh, time of time of tour last year, which if you recall, night one in Nashville was. Okay, there's some great moments, but night two has yeah. an outstanding second set that uh, yeah, I, oh I still God. go back to on a that regular dude, basis. That ghost into gin is probably my favorite thing from summer tour last year. And and I was texting with a couple of buddies last night, and you know this feels to me, and we'll wrap up here in a sec. But this feels to me like the. Uh, the, the way that summer tour last year started where you had, you know, that Arkansas show was kind of, okay, what's going on. And then right away when they go to, um, 
Alabama and Alpharetta, and then the second night in Nashville. It's like the tour just went off on a on a tear, and it really didn't look back. Like there's really no true weak spots in the overall tour. There's a couple iffy shows here and there, but it felt like every night kind of topped itself. And I don't want to make any wild predictions, but like this has That's a similar. What Brian's moment. saying is. It's every night's going to be better than the last. It's, that's what I'm saying. I guarantee it. Put your money on it. Here. When you get to AC, bet on every fish show being better than the last. All right. <laughs> um, <laughs> Scott, Tim, Kevin, thank you guys so much for giving us some time here in the uh, day after the show. We will be watching tonight and we'll be looking forward to uh, whatever's going to happen at the man. Thank we'll you be so watching much for having us tonight. Yeah, I'll see well. you guys Thank later you guys. tonight. Oh, you guys will be at the show. I'll just be with Travis, right? Yes. Yeah, and I think Lenny might stop Lenny by. Lenny Duncan guy. from Blackberry Jams podcast is going to be one also with. Us. Oh, awesome! Cool. Well, hopefully, he'll watch the show tonight. Last night he was one, and I don't think he watched the show. So. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> well, I Thank you guys. Blind so much. commentary that that works. That works. You just you just come in. Thank you guys so much for hanging with Thank us. You. We really appreciate Thanks. all your fun. thoughts, and we will talk with you guys a little bit further down the road. Sounds great. Thanks, guys. guys. All right. That was fun. That was fun. I wish I was going a lot right now. I'm I'm having FOMO. It's 2.15 in Philly. This is like the time when I start to like, I start to get a little stressed out. Like we got to get going. We got to pack up the cooler. Got to make sure everything, everyone's got everything. Do you have your tickets? You have your tickets? Okay. You got your tickets. You're the one who always loses your tickets. You need to have your tickets. <laughs> I'm not going to think about your tickets for the rest of the show. That's, that's me. I've, I, I, I drop into full dad mode, uh, going into yeah, shows. Me too. I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, we will be back tomorrow, tomorrow, yeah, tomorrow. tomorrow at the same time, 1 PM Eastern. Um, we have an excellent, excellent guest, a local guest, a contributor to other Osiris podcasts, one of the most special people in the larger fish community, Miss Felicia D'Ambrosio, who is going to be recapping Man Night 2 with us. It should be a ton of fun. I'm excited for it. And then we got Bethel this weekend and we got Hartford this weekend. I mean, we are moving into tour as we speak right now. So everybody take care of each other, take care of yourself, enjoy the show tonight, either in the venue or on the couch, like we'll be doing. And we'll talk with you all here soon. Bye guys. Osiris.
Well, hey, friends, my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Hello out there. Yes, hello out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together, we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimba the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you!